Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 7, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 12 on the fourth paragraph. It was only a matter of willing to believe, and we're going to read through three paragraphs and comment at the end of that page. Today's readers are Sherry K.B. for the 12 Steps, Mary B., the 12 Traditions. Our readers are Jen T., Karen T., and John K. The reference number for uh, Monday, March 6, for the 7 a.m. meeting Eastern Time is 9686, 9686. For the 10 a.m. meeting Eastern Time, it's 9688, 9688. And for this morning's meeting, 7 a.m., Tuesday, March 7, Eastern Time, it's 9691, 9691. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 steps. Sherry? Good morning, Sylvia. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you for your service. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. I will now ask Mary B. to read the 12 traditions. Mary? 
Thank you, Sylvia. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, great. Yes, this is Mary B., a gratefully recovered food addict compulsive eater in southwest Arizona. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry uh, its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service this morning. Thank you, Mary B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 12. It's the fourth paragraph. It was only a matter of willing to believe, and we're going to read through paragraphs ending with how blind I had been. The fourth paragraph we're going to read for context, and the comments are going to be focused on those last two paragraphs, the fifth and sixth paragraphs on page 12. I will now ask Jen T. to begin reading. Jen? Star one to unmute. 
Hi, this is Jen T. Recovered in Northern California. Um, let's see. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point. Upon a foundation of complete willingness, I might build what I saw in my friends. Would I have it? Of course I would. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. The real significance of my experience in this cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon, the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself, and so it had been ever since. How blind I had been. And I'm not going to say a lot on this. I'm just going to say that I had an Ebby in my life. Um, and the experience for me was profound. I didn't know that people like us recovered. I had no idea. And she stood before me with five years. She was the only person that I knew. And she gave me a long story of how she had recovered. And she spoke of God. I didn't like God very much. I didn't know. I had a lot of prejudice against God. But I was so defeated and so broken down from this disease that I could hardly breathe. And I love in here when it says that there had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. Because that was me. I didn't care anymore. I knew that I was nothing. I had admitted that. And my experience was that God came to me. I just had to seek him badly enough. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Genty. We're now going to open it up uh, for sharing. And so I'll take a list of um, three-minute shares. And remember that we're sharing on the last two paragraphs on page 12. And who would like to share? Karen? Karen. What's your last initial, Karen? Karen T. As in thanks. Karen T. Okay. Who else do I have? Melanie C. Melanie. Gotcha. More? This is a great opportunity for sharing. Nikifa H. Carol K. I've got Carol K. And who was that? Was that Reggie? Nikifa H. Latifa H. Nakifa. Natifa. Okay. I could take one or two more. Anybody ready? Okay, well, we'll go with this. We've got Karen T., Melanie C., Carol, and Natifa. And let's start with Karen T. Thank you so much for your service. This is Karen T., compulsive overeater recovered in New Orleans, Louisiana. And um, I just love that sentence um, that Jen just mentioned, too. Um, For a brief moment, I needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. Um, 
I didn't believe in God growing up, and I was seeking, and my prayers went something like this. God, if you're there, show yourself to me now. And um, I had needed and wanted God at that point, and I was getting nowhere. And then some humility came in. It wasn't ordering God around anymore. And the sense that, so I was praying, you know, God, where are you? God, where are you? And um, uh, then this humble thought came to me. Uh, Obviously, it was from God because I was not very humble and still not. Um, But the thought was, oh, wait, God will show himself to me on his timetable. You are being pushy, Karen. And the sense of God was there and God would show himself to me in that time. And this peace came over me. Um, I don't know if it was the sense of his presence or whatever, but when I got humble and I was willing, but now I was humbly willing, then I started to believe. So it was this, oh, wait, I'm pushing God. Wait, God is there and God will show himself me in his time and that was the foundation of my believing so it's a really beautiful experience to me I'm not sure that I'm explaining it really well right now but um, I wanted God I needed and wanted God and I was seeking but then the humility came in so that word humble willingness is huge and um, so I love this sentence because it reminds me of my beginning of came to believe in the power greater than ourselves. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Melanie C., and then we have Carol. Hi, Sylvia. Thanks so much for your service. Melanie C. here calling in from Oregon. This morning, recovered compulsive overeater. I was looking at um, when we want him enough and then reflecting on the second paragraph and relating into that with my own experience as I understand it here um, Bill's heart has been softened and so that more information could come in and then more reflection was coming over him and he was thinking about now now I understand what that whole deal was about in the cathedral when I was over there when he was in the military several years back you know but at that time he was like 20 22 or something like that and now maybe he's 40 something here and he's looking back and he's saying you know I had that thing then I had it way down inside me before all of these things came over me um, and I can see now the connection I may have been um, getting a nudge at that particular time but as life went on and in misdirection came into play and certainly alcohol became the center focus why whereby causing me to be so self-centered I had a disconnect a major disconnect and a block for that kind of direction that I needed the booze had taken over and so that was the same case for me I remember being about nine years old and something really making an oppression upon me in a a place where I was at and I wanted all of that I wanted all of that but I interpreted as um, something that was going to lift me up and take me away something that was going to protect me and shelter me of no effort on my particular part and that it would be kind of a um, 
something that was saving me. I felt like I guess I needed to be saved, and it just gave me such comfort and hope in that. And that's the ideal that I started to pursue. Who was going to rescue and save me? And that was the theme for the rest of my life. And, of course, as disappointments came, one after the other, after the other, after the other, me not suiting up because I wasn't the one that was going to have to do this work, um, I got into all kinds of trouble with trying to soothe that with food. And it... um, took over, absolutely took over my life and hardened my heart because I became disillusioned, I didn't trust, I became cynical, um, doubtful, ugly, angry, awful. So when I look at that sentence that says, God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough, I learned that I had to turn that into take action enough. Because I wanted him bad. I wanted somebody to help me so bad. And I have quite an interesting story to support that idea and why I could justify it. But it looked like I was going to have to do something different. I wanted him enough, but I had to take action enough. And I realized that we're not talking about that necessarily here in step two, but it was part of the package deal that came to be for me when I moved on. But I love the reflection that it was just equally in Bill as it was in for me. And he put the two together. And from these little ideas and thoughts, based on just somebody giving him permission to at least test it and try it his own way by his own idea, something just beautifully blossomed and bloomed that now was passed on to me and poured into me on a daily basis so that I, too, 70-some-odd years later, can have what he had. Thanks. Pass. Thank you, Melanie C. Carol. Sterwin. Hi, this is Carol Kay. Can I be heard? Yes, Carol Kay. Thank you. Okay, great. <clears throat> you know, I can relate to, to Bill Wow so much. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Um, he sure is. I mean, you know, he surely it didn't come down and just take the fork out of my hand and say, no, you can't eat that whole cake, you know. He, you know, it's not like that. It didn't happen like that. Um, but what happened was, you know, I reached out to my higher power. I reached out to God. I had to reach out. I had to take the action. I couldn't just sit here on my rear end and expect him to God to come down and do everything for me. It's just not how it works. So I had to, to be the one to take that first step, to take that action and start studying um, with a sponsor. Um, and then, you know, this other section here, I had needed and wanted God. I sure in the heck did. I sure in the heck did because, you know, no human was able to help me. Nobody. Nothing, nobody. Um, So there had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. And, yes, he did. And I was very humble. I was, my nose was out of the clouds. My face was down, you know, and I just, I wanted help. I needed help. And I knew, you know, that the only one that was going to help me um, was God himself. So, but soon the sense, here it goes, sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamor, clamors, mostly those within myself. You know, for me, those worldly clamors were gossip, um, other people's problems, and all this other stuff that I used to get myself so involved with. And, um, and these were my own issues. And so what would happen while I was working with my sponsor, I would have food thoughts. And that's because I, I was blotting out God because I was involving myself in other people's business. And I've learned today that there's no need for me to do that. I stand on my own side of the street. I keep my nose clean. And that's something I had to learn because I've done that for so many years. I did it my whole life. And so today, 
um, you know, actually, I don't have that ton of bricks on my back because when I when I was getting involved in everybody's business, um, that was a lot. That was a load of bricks I was carrying around. Today, I carry nothing around except for my own body weight, and that's thank you God that that's coming off too on God's time, not mine. Uh, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carol Kay. And yeah. Natisha, star one. Natisha, star one to unmute. Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, thank, thank you. Uh, this is Natisha, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you so much uh, for the lead. And, um, man, I struggle, I struggle continually with, uh, this God. And I know it's because my own self, well, well, I don't know, but I'm sure it's me and not my higher power. Um, because too many people have this connection for me to say it's not real. That's, that's my experience. And, um, uh the part that really stood out to me was uh they said he came but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors most mostly those within myself and um self will right there that's my, it's my self will that blocks me from receiving gifts it blocks me from giving gifts and um this overeating i have never experienced in my life anything to grasp and hold me the way food has. You know, I have a really good recovery in another fellowship, and I'm here to tell you it's non-transferable um, uh, because I have struggled in Overeaters Anonymous. And, you know, I said I'm just going to keep showing up, and I'm going to keep listening and participating in this meeting and going to face-to-face meetings because I feel like my issue is is lack of a spiritual connection because I've struggled so long. I I need to let go. I need to let go and let my higher power do what he does for all of you all because I see it. I believe it. But there's those, most days I'm like, well, he's just not paying attention to me. And I know it's because I'm angry about that terrible childhood and all those awful things that happened, but I have to, I have to let it go, you know, so I can be free. And I don't have to fight the food because I'm not, I'll never win. I'll never win. I don't have the power to win. So um, I'm so glad to have you in the morning. So um, thanks for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Natifa. So now we're opening up for more shares. Who would like to share? On it, We're on page 12, the last two paragraphs. Hi, this is Jeannie S. Jeannie, I've got you. Jeannie S. Marie J. Marie J. Uh, Marie J. I've got you. Elaine B. Elaine B. Lovely to have you here. Who else? Sherry Tate Sherry, got you. Pam W. Pam W. I could take one more. Anybody? S U S. Is this do? Who was that last person who came in? S to F. S to F? Esther. Esther, I got you. Okay, Esther. Okay, so.
so here's my list. We've got Jeannie F, Marie J, Elaine B, Sherry K B, Pam W, and Esther. And Jeannie, if you could go ahead, followed by Marie. Thank you. Uh, this is Jeannie F um, in New York. I um, don't have a timer. Um, I've got you. Okay, thank you. Okay, this is, again, this whole, these pages that we're reading for me are so, they're so intense because I went through such a process when I came in to the rooms, I really didn't believe that there was a power that cared about people. I believe that there was a power that made the earth spin and the sun shine, but but I became, you know, somebody asked me if I was willing to believe it, and I said no, and they said, was I willing to be willing, which was the question that really changed my life because they were really asking me if I was willing to have an open mind and and consider that I was coming, I was coming to the wrong conclusion. And I heard somebody on the line the other day talk about how this idea of why don't you choose your own conception, and he was saying, about he was talking about unchoosing his conception, and that's kind of what happened to me. I, I the day that I knew that I believed that there was a power that cared that was personal was the day I realized I was so angry because I'd had such a horrible life in so many ways, and I was always very conscious of what was going on in the world, you know. And so once I became once I became aware that it was personal, then it was a whole nother thing. Like, okay, so what's with the good? What's with the bad? And I used good orderly direction, but I kept seeking. You know, it says, you know, I said recently, it says, I heard a guy say, you know, because it's the ABCs, God couldn't, would if he were sought, relieve our alcoholism. It doesn't say God can and might if you can find him. And for me, I, I love what it says here about this new world coming into view and about how the, the, the part that just really hit me today in a new way, I say to set aside prayer a lot, is this idea that, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out and I'm going to get rid of world, worldly clamors, you know, but concentrate on mostly those within myself. It's like that, that really blocks me from a connection with a power greater than myself. And I find that, that when I'm able to get out of myself, I'm not really selfish in the way where what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. I just, you know, can be too self-focused. And when I'm able to not be self-focused but still practice self-care, as someone told me with dignity and grace, I, I find that I'm able to make that connection um, in a much different way, and and I'm just in the process of really you know, like really asking, saying the set aside prayer to have a new relationship and a new experience with with God as you know, with God and the steps and everything. And I say it a lot, and it, it I find it works. It's helping me. Thank you, Pass. Thank you, Jeannie, Marie J, and then Elaine B. Marie. Hi, this is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. Very glad to hear everyone on the line. And um, what I'd like to say is I'm always the only one in the way. And uh, God is always present. But my lack of humility is always the problem. And connecting to God is always the solution. It's simple. The program is simple. That, for me, is it in in a nutshell. You know, get out of the way, get humble, connect to God. 
and I have to work the steps, and I have to carry the message. I have to be willing to share on the lines. You know, sometimes I get nervous about sharing on the lines, but I have to be willing to carry that message and be vulnerable and regardless of, of my nerves, be brave and get on. But as soon as I give it to God, then it's not about me. I still have to get out of the way, and I have to come with humility and the same with sponsoring, being willing to carry the message. As long as I give it to God and get out of the way, then God does work through me. But the solution is always the same. It's always simple. It's my full abandonment of my entire life, the hard parts, the easy parts. I just have to give it all humbly and trust and rely on God, knowing that God is bigger than anything I can create, anything I can imagine, anything I can realize. And I just have to be reminded constantly that um, I don't know how big God is. I don't know how big God is. And my disease always wants to make God smaller. And that's where my self-reliance takes over. And that's where I struggle and I get back into my disease. But when I'm in full reliance on God, I'm free. The food is neutral. I'm at peace. And the more I trust, the more I trust. And it gets easier. It gets easier because I experience God and I have peace and I have this stormy life going on or all around me, but I can have peace when I turn it over to God. And the more I do that, the more I experience it. And the more I practice it, the more I'm in constant contact with God. So I have to have the humble willingness and I have to work my steps and I have to rely on God all day, not just at the beginning of the day, after this meeting when I'm feeling all high and great, I have to be in it all day carrying the message and being in useful service. And it's, it's not always easy, but it is simple. It's very simple. This is a spiritual program and it's about staying in constant contact and connection with a God that I don't know is bigger than anything I can imagine. And I have to do it every day, and I have to do it one day at a time. Every day I get to get up, and I get to do it again. And thank God for that. Thanks, I pass. Thank you, Marie J. Next, I have Elaine B., followed by Sherry K.B. Elaine. Star one, Elaine. Can I be heard? Now you can be heard. There you go. Elaine. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your service, Sylvia. Nice to be with you all here today. I know we're not commenting on this, but I need to open with, why don't you choose your own conception of God? I had a conception of God, but it wasn't enough to keep me out of the food. It wasn't enough. And so I needed, I needed to supersize my God. I needed to be willing to, to, um, be open to build on the previous experience with a higher power that I had and yet be open and have a humble willingness to experience more. I remember that in the midst of my relationship with God, he had done things for me that I could never do for myself. And I had access to a measure, but I also remember the frustration. You know, how long do I have to be on my knees before you answer me? <laughs> Which really means before you give me exactly what I want, when I want, and how I want it. The desperation and despair of feeling like an unloved child and um, <clears throat> blocked from what I really wanted and what I really needed. 
even though, you know, in many ways I was very successful, um, you know, I just had to keep going back to the food because that was where I could easily access my ease and comfort. And of course, food is so easy to access. And so um, I needed a new experience and I needed and I wanted God. And so when food really <laughs> beat the crap out of me again, dragged me out of the rooms and, you know, just showed me that I really did have this disease, I found a vision for you and grabbed on hold with the desperation of a dying man. And it was really in the process of doing the steps with the higher powers I understood and the higher power that I hoped <laughs> was supersized and able to really help me through this. I was able to um, clear away the worldly clamor, the wreckage that stood between me and a greater experience with my higher power, an experience great enough that I could access that ease and comfort whenever I needed to. And I'll tell you what, those worldly clamors still come in. I, I did a 10-step this morning because, you know, I got in the way, the world got in the way, what I wanted got in the way, and I was not accessing God. And I'll tell you what, you know, it says that, um, I don't know, God God wants those who want him, God cares enough for those who want him enough. And just that time, I just was so hungry for God, for the ease and access, ease and comfort I can access, but I still need to pick up the spiritual toolkit over and over again so that the worldly clamors, mostly within myself, don't stand in the way of my um, my access to ease and comfort so that I don't need to go to food. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine B. Sherry KB, followed by Pam W. Sherry? Good morning, Sylvia. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Thank you for your service, and good morning, everybody. Um, This worldly clamors, blotted out by worldly clamors. Um, I think the worldly clamors for me was everything between my ears, everything that I thought, everything that uh, my disease um, ran the show, and... um, with trying to fix everything outside of myself, um, with the with the unease and uncomfort, um, and you know I sought my higher power, but what I realized is I I used my higher power like um, gave my higher power tests. If you do this and you do that and you pass, I'll think about it. And you know I really did not get. Um, how much I needed my higher power because my disease had been my higher power. The food had been my higher power. Everything outside of myself had been my higher power. And until I really got into this book and worked with a step guide um, and opened up that channel to get unblocked um, is when my higher power really came in. But I needed to seek my higher power. Um, I, I really get this feeling deep down inside of me that my higher power is always always has been there it's just that I needed to ask I needed to humble myself and ask for help and um, that my disease doesn't want me to ask for help my disease wants me to isolate doesn't want to have God in my life at all and my disease wants wants me to make God make what am I trying to say my disease wants wants me to think that my disease is God Um, that's that's what my disease wants um, and so by, by staying unblocked, 
by reading this book, by working the steps, by living in the steps, I can get unblocked and connect with a higher power. And I've been told that if I, if I think I know my higher power well, then my higher power is not big enough. It's, it's a continuation, a continued growth, a continued deepening of that relationship with a power greater than myself. And I know that, I don't know about you, but anyone I've ever talked to, whenever you start talking about the G word, they clam up um, and they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing because my disease, and on some days I'm very grateful for my disease because it got me in these rooms. It got me to get in this book. It got me to connect with a power greater than myself. And uh, without that, I don't know if I would have done that. I, I really don't know if I hadn't been so desperate had I, you know, not wanted to lean on my higher power because I grew up in a family that taught me it was weak to lean on anything. And so I've had to set aside my prejudices, you know, scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. You know, a new way of living, a new design for living came into view. Um, and a new connection and a better connection for me with my higher power. And this is all about step two. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Now we have Pam W. followed by Esther F. Pam. Hi, I'm Pam W. And I'm a compulsive overeater. Okay. And uh, hi. Um, this is my first time uh, sharing on the line. And um, I just want to say uh, thank you to all you guys who do service and uh, put this meeting on and um, and for doing this uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time because I get an opportunity to participate. And um, the thing that I wanted to share about uh, has to do with uh, God was there when we needed him and wanted him and and I remember you know when I I've I've had a weight problem from a very young age and uh, started dieting and losing weight uh, way back in you know sixth grade seventh grade something like that and uh, I had lost the weight when I was in high school and uh, I was getting ready I knew I couldn't not eat and but I couldn't access a higher power at that time because at the time I believed that I had to be really good to ask God for help and and I knew that I wasn't really that good and I knew that I only wanted to be skinny so that other people would like me and that if God gave me what I was asking for I wouldn't do what he said in the long run. I knew that I wasn't going to follow God. I knew I was like treating God, I guess, kind of like Santa Claus. But what's happened for me as a result of being in the room is that I have a higher power today that I can be honest about who and what I honestly really am, even with all my character defects, at least with most of my character defects, and I can still reach out and ask my higher power for help because, I, I mean, I am a people pleaser in general. I have a, a desire to look a certain way to people around me, and it's 
hard for me to be honest. I mean, really be honest. But God, my higher power knows who I am anyway. I figured that out after being here for a while. And, um, and I'm not going to change if I don't have a higher power and I don't have the steps. And um, I guess that's it. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Pam. Esther. Can I be heard? Yes. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, I think a new world came into view is what really hit me, although a lot of it hit me. But I realized that that's what confused me. I got to my ninth step and I said, I don't feel God. I don't know nothing is going on. Nothing is different. Everything's the same. And my sponsor said, I must have done something wrong. And you have to switch sponsors. And I knew she was a great sponsor. And she didn't do anything wrong. And I was dumbfounded and lost until I found a new sponsor. And I had to work very hard in between not to lose what I had. And I got a new sponsor finally. And she said, we'll go through everything very fast to make sure you're okay. And while I was going through it, I realized that a new world didn't mean that suddenly there would be music and dancing and everything would be different. It just meant, I guess, happy, joyous, and free or something. And I had that. I realized that all along, God was doing for me what I couldn't do. There were so many times that miracles were happening that I was too blind to see because the gift of clamor from the outside was hiding it, but when I was working hard to keep what I had, and I really looked, my eyes opened, and I saw all these miracles happening for me, because God has always been in my life, and he was just helping now, he was really working to help me, and I saw it happening. And I know my life had become much happier, much more joyous and free, but I didn't realize it until I was lost without a sponsor. And then I saw the difference. And I said, my God, God has been with me, but there's been no fears and, and, and I don't know all kinds of, new worlds coming out but it is different and things have changed but it wasn't a, a different world it was the same world but things were happening for me that I couldn't do and then I realized that God was with me he had always been with me and I just didn't realize it. I didn't wasn't open to him. 
because without him, I would have been lost. Then I saw him, and I saw how he had been helping me all along, and I knew God was in my life. So I didn't have any spiritual awakening, or maybe I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't have any special spiritual experience. I just had God there. He just came to me, and he just helped me when I needed him, which is all I wanted. And he made life good for me, and he's there for me. Every day when I work the program the way I'm supposed to, he just helps me, and he's there, and he does things for me that I can't do myself. And I'm so grateful, and I'm so happy because of this, and that's what makes life better. And I guess that's a new world because I couldn't have it without it. And I'm sure I would be back in the food. So thank you for listening, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. So we have time for a few more shares. We're on page 12, the last two paragraphs. Who would like to share? John Kay. Okay, we got John Kay, and I have Allison. Did I hear? Reggie. Allison. Allison. John H. Okay, so I have John K, Reggie, Allison, and someone H. Donna H from Colorado. Donna H. Okay, let's go with John K, Reggie, Allison, and Donna H. John? Good morning. My name is John Kiernan. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Los Angeles. Um, you know, there are certain areas and, and tracks in the uh, big book that I have to do a little more translation on in my head than others, uh, and that when I came in, I almost ran from because they they had to do, especially in the beginning, with my sort of resistance to a con- concept of a higher power and a god. Um, and this happens to be one of them. Um, you know, uh, the belief I have today is totally different than the belief I had when I, uh, well, first of all, I had no belief when I came in, but the belief I had when I was growing up. Uh, you know, I ha- I happen to have one that's not you know, that means something differently for me than maybe it does for others. And when uh, some of the wording here, which, you know, comes from the the Oxford group that AA came from, which was very Christian and believed in God, almost like the picture of the guy on the top of the Sistine Chapel, that just wasn't working for me. And I remember, I always tell the story when I I rebelled against uh, 12 Steps when I first came in because I just couldn't accept this God thing. I remember I was, when I finally uh, had this spiritual awakening for me, I was putting away chairs at a meeting, and I wasn't sober, and I was arguing with the guy who became my first sponsor, and because I said, I can't be part of a religious program, and he said, well, it isn't spiritual, and I pointed to the steps, and I said, look, right there, it says God, it says God, it has him with a capital H. And he looked at it, and he looked at me, and he said, okay, well, leave it out then. And that was such a, a stunning thing. I'm like, what do you mean, leave it out? And he said, look, right now your disease is looking for any reason to hit, head out the door. What could be better than that? And the fact that he said it in that way, and he told me also, you could be 110 years old. You don't have to believe in any kind of a higher power. Just keep coming back and keep an open mind. That was the key. You know, It allowed the door to crack just a little the little mustard seed uh, to, to be able to grow in me 
to allow me to come to a belief in a higher power. And I just like to acknowledge sometimes that some of the passages in the big book, if you're new, if you're having trouble coming up with the concept of a higher power, realize it doesn't have to be, you know, the one you were born with, the one you read in the newspaper, the one that you associate with things that are very negative, which have nothing to do with a higher power. They have to do with people who are espousing whatever their beliefs are. Um, because it's so important. And what I have today is more of that, that uh, you know, as it says in, in the big book, that, that uh, inner resource. I have this inner resource in me that helps me. And, and that I know they will get to in, in, a, in future areas of this book. But that I, you know, my belief, as it said in, the, in the, a couple of paragraphs back, why did you choose your own conception of God? Uh, that's the key to me. And, and uh, so keep coming. If you're having trouble with this area, uh, it, it will, uh, more will be revealed. Thanks for uh, letting me share my pets. Thank you, John Kay. Reggie, followed by Allison. And Donna, I'm hoping we'll have time to get to you, but Reggie first, then Allison. Star one, Reggie. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you, Sylvia, and everybody who's on the call and sharing this morning. These, these uh, paragraphs are, have been so amazing to me. And what continues to stand out for me, among many other things, but uh, is the when we want him enough. You know, thus was I convinced when we want him enough. And I was, as I was being with that this morning, and as well the worldly clamors and just you know, looking at the two of those together and, you know, the worldly clamors that blotted out, you know, God, any, it was just blotted out God. Uh, and I was, and when I was with that this morning, as people were sharing, I realized that those worldly clamors have been worldly clamors and they've also been the shoulds that, you know, I put that in quotation mark, the shoulds with which I've lived my life should, you know, that I should it should look like this. I should do that, you know. All of the shoulds that I've lived and the difficulty in my life that I have had uh, in letting myself know and desire what I really want to know and desire. And this says when we want God enough, you know. And that wanting, you know, as I put that in the category of desire, which I believe it is, you know, and later on in the big book, um, it talks about how, you know, that, that idea of God, you know, of a higher power lies deep within, I don't remember the, language, the exact language, but deep within our hearts. And so in moment, you know, in the moments when my, my the, the worldly clamors and the, the veil and so much that has come between me and, you know, my God and my life, uh, when, when that is open, you know, when that has been open or pierced, what I get is that the deepest, deepest desire of my heart is God, you know, is that, is that higher power, is that great reality, is that, you know, loving, intelligent, guiding, powerful force that is within me um, every, every moment of the day. And uh, so there's this, and I think that that's a part sometimes of my healing, as I've thought about it this morning, recovery in program is to clear the worldly clamors. You know, we, we clean up our past. We, we remove the blockages through the work of the steps. And we get, to, we get to feel what we feel in our hearts and we get to desire what we desire in our hearts because it, that's where we go. It, the, the book talks about it in so many ways. We go to our heart and find those things that we're desiring. And that's a part of, you know, so my first desire is for God when I'm open, when that veil is open. 
And then, you know, there are, there are other desires that come, but I, I, I come to see them. I've come to see them over, you know, the years of my time as program. That's one of the, that, that is also becomes one of the ways that my God speaks to me is through desire. And I've been having some, you know, feeling a little blocked from my higher power. I had been recently and and my uh, sponsor suggested that I go to the, go to the go to nature you know somewhere in nature and just be and uh, and I just thought to be very quick with this um I did yesterday and I went to the Los Angeles River I discovered it in a place that I didn't know where it was it's usually bone dry it was flowing oh my gosh it was so forceful yesterday and I found this place where I got to watch it go downstream and uh, I thought, ah, that's it. That's what it is with God. You know, it's, it's a downstream life. And for so much of my life, I've struggled trying to go upward the opposite direction. So just great to be here and, uh, and, and we're just studying and reading this. Thank you. Thank you, Reggie. And we'll have Allison. And Donna, I think that we're only going to have time for Allison. Uh, <clears throat> I think we only have three minutes left. So Allison. Thank you. Thank you so much to everybody for serving, making this meeting happen today. I'm Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. And um, I just wanted to share that um, when I was, I went through these steps and I started to feel better and I felt um, a spiritual experience. And and then I once I felt better and the worldly clamors, I let them back in and I found myself in relapse um, last year. And so what did I have to do different so that I could um, not do that again and to be different? And so I, I accepted that I needed to um, really let go of the worldly clamor and um, clamors like loud noise, people yelling, things trying to get our, our attention. And so when I went through the steps and when I was at step one and two especially, I um, I did the work of blotting those out the best I could and focusing on this program and making this program my life. And so that meant that um, I didn't watch TV or I didn't read um, fun books or whatever I had to do to focus on this program and um, the message that uh, fellows had for me and what my sponsor was telling me to do. So I, you know, at night when it was really difficult, even in steps one and two, you know, obviously I still had cravings. I was putting my earbuds in and I was listening to as many meetings as I could. I fell asleep so many nights listening to uh, my fellows speaking um, hope of recovery into my ears. Um, and so I did my best um, to do my part to blot out some of the worldly clamors within myself um, so that I could uh, hear from God and get through the steps quickly, like my life depended on it because it truly did and it saved my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Allison L. And um, we've run out of time. Donna, I hope you come back tomorrow uh, to share. So um, thank you to everyone who has shared. And thank you uh, for Sherry KB for your service, Mary B, Jen T, Karen T, and John K. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Karen T please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Great. Hi, this is Karen, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. You realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Give, clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. For we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.